Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Living With Power Hope podcast. What an awesome day to be with you. It's uh, just exciting for me to catch up with you if we've met before. If you are new here, welcome. I hope everybody subscribed to the podcast. Hey, we're doing a series called Dear Lena, where I answer questions about faith, life, culture, and everything in between. The reason is that we want biblical truth for everyday life. So every week we dig in. What does God say about things? Uh, what does he think about matters of culture that we're living through right now. If you haven't noticed, we are no longer in a very typical Christian culture. This era we're living in is called post-Christian. It is a time when people no longer uh, put uh, their hope in God in the way that maybe they might have used to when this country was founded. And so people are generally illiterate when it comes to the Bible, unfamiliar with the Christian faith. There are more nuns, N-O-N-E, meaning people who don't believe in anything than ever before. And uh, frankly, it is a great day for a Christian to be alive. It is a chance for us to shine the light of Christ. Uh, but many of us in the process need to be encouraged, refocused, and I hope you find that here. Uh, today, um, I've got a question that we're going to address. And uh, by the way, if you've got a question for me, send it to dearlina at livingwithpower.org. As usual, uh, you can just uh, uh, think about your question, send it, and I'll try to answer it. So let me, let me go ahead without wasting any more time and hit up today's question. Dear Lena, this person sent in this question. Why are so many Christian leaders embroiled in scandal these days. It has been a year, hasn't it? Uh, for the past, in fact, couple of years, but uh, uh, really the story of Christian leaders falling for a variety of reasons is not a new story. In fact, it is a Old Testament biblical story. I mean, you've got examples of men who, particularly men in the Old Testament, but uh, a woman who, who were victimized back then, uh, unfortunately, but men who have um, failed miserably. In fact, many of the patriarchs, people who are in the line of of men who eventually uh, gave birth to Jesus uh, that really have, have some, some sad, sad stories of, of moral failure. Of course, David, one of the godliest kings in the Old Testament, uh, was a man known to be a man after God's own heart and yet has a chapter in his life that was just so sad. And, 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 and the pattern continues. Of course, nowadays, um, you can come up without you know, saying any names, even in the last few months, story after story of people that have been regarded with respect, whose while they were maybe alive, had impeccable testimonies, and then after their death, even stories of, of immorality and and many others that that over time uh, have shocked us to hear. And so uh, cynicism takes over. If you're like me, there's sort of this, he's a Christian leader. Wait till see, let's find out what they've done. And and there's sort of a um, uh, lack of interest in submitting to authority as a result of it. I think it has affected us immensely as as the church to see so many people who used to be great men of God. And again, I particularly see that with men, although there have been a number of other women that have claimed the name of Christ and now living in ways that uh, would not be um, consistent with a biblical standard. But nonetheless, uh, these scandals that have rocked the world that cause us to get on Google and see what's happening now and and um, why, why does this happen? And so here's point number one, these leaders, they I'm going to call them they, but just to context, these leaders who become embroiled in scandal, these are my theories of what happens. They become more image-driven than character-focused. They become more image-driven than character-focused. Um, unfortunately, the bigger the name, I mean, I mean, scandal, and particularly sexual sin, but some financial misappropriation of funds. Uh, of course, there's other ways to, to have scandal. It can be money-related, sex-related, power-related. Uh, boy, you name it, it's there. But image, um, the bigger the name, the bigger the image. The bigger the platform, the bigger the image. And the bigger the image, uh, 
the more important it becomes to protect it. And of course, there's a lifestyle that goes with a big image and there's a reputation that goes with big image. And so the bigger the image, um, the bigger the focus on protecting that image and a deviation from character focusing and uh, what is important to begin with because now you've got an entire ministry, an entire reputation that you're trying to protect. So a red flag, if you're a leader and you're listening, you're a man like, I, I just don't want to be that person. And who hasn't thought that? Like before you start throwing stones, you sort of, you know, when you point one finger at others, you've got three others pointing at you, right? And so, and so you kind of go, well, I don't want to become image driven. Nobody starts out thinking I'm going to be image driven. But one day you wake up and you've got a big following and now it's like you you know you you you're you're you, you've got a lot at stake and uh, um, not for the sake of Jesus but just for the sake of you and so here are some red flags a red flag is to start out focused on Jesus but quickly become focused on self so I think you got to be really leery of ministry leaders that uh, use their names to identify people with their ministry. And I, I, I really do. And I think you've, there's been a lot of talk about that. Like any ministry that is known by the name of the leader is dangerous. And I, I think there's, a, there's something to be said about that. I don't think every single time it's a problem, but I think that um, when the focus, when the reputation stands on your name and not on Christ's, that's a problem. It needs to be thought through. And so that's a red flag. Um, when, when, when you're the talk of the town instead of Jesus being talk of the town. Now, you might say, well, all I do is point to Jesus. But, but when people think of a certain church and right away the first name that comes to mind is not Jesus, but that person who leads the church, there's a little bit of a problem. So you go, well, that's not my fault. That's the people's fault. And you might say, well, you know, idols are set up by the people. The people were the ones who, who wanted the king in the Old Testament. It wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't the king. Saul didn't go looking to be king. It was the people who asked for a king. Nonetheless, there's some things that you can do over time to get a pattern going where the attention is not on self, but on Jesus. All right. So red flags, a red flag is to think that you need to protect the reputation of Jesus. This entire idea of protecting the reputation right now, we're watching a scandal unfold and, and the board of the organization is, doesn't want to free a person from a non-disclosure agreement because they're probably afraid of what will come out of, of if, if the person is freed of the non-disclosure agreement, they're going to speak truth, which is going to make the board look bad, which is going to make the ministry look bad, which I imagine the leaders are going, which is going to make Jesus look bad. Well, first of all, Jesus already looks bad when you've gone that far, right? But but Jesus doesn't need you to make him look good or bad. Jesus is the truth, and his word is truth. And so we think that, I mean, Every person is, I mean, it's good for us to maintain a good testimony for the glory of God, but like God is going to survive your scandal, first of all. Like God is not, Jesus is not waiting for you to, you know, get, you know, to maintain your image in order to make him look good. No, I think Jesus is more concerned about our repentance, our heart, our, you know, when Jesus and God, you know, Jesus is God, but so when I talk about, you know, God again, I, and, and the Lord Jesus Christ, I mean, I think the heart of Christ is for every leader and for every Christian to be right with him. So God's desire to see us confess, uh, repent of our sins and confess our sins is not so that others might look at our ministries and think that we were great. It's not to protect our ministries. God doesn't want me to repent of my sin in order for my ministry to be protected. Ministry, come or go, God cares about my heart. And, and, and if I'm in a place of obedience and holiness and purity, 
it's, it's for me. It's for my sake. And, and the more I'm one with Christ and the more there's joy in my life, whether you're small or big or, you know, have got people standing in line to come to your churches or nobody showing up to your church, listen to me. God is more interested in your heart when it comes to continuing to, be short, to keep short accounts. He's not worried about his reputation. You know, I think there's this culture in the Christian world that thinks, man, we can't afford to sin because, you know, we don't want, to look, we want, we don't want Jesus to look bad to the world. I understand the meaning. I, I get it. I've said that before. Like, you know, somebody will fall and, and we'll all be like, oh, oh, the name of Christ. That's so sad. And yes, it is sad and it is tragic. But Jesus will survive that. The sad thing is that the, the leader who's fallen might not. And, and so a red flag in your life is if you think that you need to protect the reputation of Jesus. Let not that be your focus in, in avoiding scandal. Let it be a love for Jesus and a longing for his name to be great. The words of Isaiah 26, your name and your renown are the desire of our hearts. So a red flag is to focus, uh, to, you know, let's kind of recap a little bit. Uh, Christian leaders who become more image-driven than character-focused, some of the red flags in that, they initially start focusing on Jesus, but they become focused on self. Another red flag is to think you need to protect the reputation of Jesus. Another red flag is to assume Jesus needs you to accomplish his mission. Look, Jesus doesn't need you. I don't care if you're the biggest, wealthiest, most resourced organization on the face of the planet. I don't care if you're the most gifted speaker, writer, communicator on the face of this planet. Listen, Jesus doesn't need you to accomplish his mission. He went to the cross alone. He went, I mean, he, this idea, he, he, out of his grace, uses us to be co-laborers with him. And yet we take it on our shoulders as if it all hinges on us. And may God forgive us in that. So why are so many Christian leaders embroiled in scandal, more image-driven than character-focused? Number two, they become more dependent on strategy than on anointing. Strategy, man, it is, it's, you go, man, you need strategy to grow an organization. Yep, but you need anointing more. And when strategy becomes more important than anointing, you've got a problem. Anointing is the sense that, that it's just living in, this, in the continued presence of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God already baptizes us in salvation. We become in the Spirit of, um, the Holy Spirit comes to live in a Christian when you give your life to Jesus, but this daily fresh anointing of the Spirit, this is, I'm talking about the filling of the Holy Spirit. If you want your ministry and your work to succeed, you focus on anointing. I mean, I'm not saying don't do any strategy, but let anointing be your dependence. The Holy Spirit be your dependence and strategy be just that, strategy. So uh, what drives all of this strategy focus? And, and, and particularly, I believe that one of the errors that has happened in the Christian church is we just copycat the world in terms of strategy. Like, let me give you an example. Our, the biggest biblical strategy for church growth is what? Do you know it? I can tell you what it is. It's prayer. Prayer is the biggest, most important, most critical Biblical strategy for growth. And yet, less people show up for prayer meetings, less attention is given to prayer in modern day Christian organizational structures. You might be like, well, we have prayer. Well, we pray pray 10 minutes a week. You know, we start every meeting with prayer. But, But a prayer culture is deeper than that. It is a moment by moment dependence on the Holy Spirit as a strategy, as a as, as a, more than a strategy, as a way of living. So as, why, do we, why do we follow strategy so much in leadership? Well, there's a sense of expectation. We gotta grow, we gotta provide, we gotta, we gotta have more people baptized, more people saved. So the sense of expectation drives a more 
culturally proven strategy than spirit-led dependence because we put so much pressure on ourselves to grow that we go well well here's how these guys grew and 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 they've done really well and so whether it's a financial institution or whether it's a you know non you know profit that's grown whatever and we look at their ways and they might have written a book about it leadership books are plentiful business schools plentiful and so you go man we got to grow so much that we just embrace all of the culture that uh, all the all the strategies that are proven by culture which again you might have good things there but if if they're your main thing, then you've missed the main thing. And so there's a sense of expectation. There's a sense of entitlement. Um, uh, it, it, let me sort of here talk a little bit about this anointing. So there's a sense of entitlement in, in leaders who become big and well-known and sort of there's a sense of pride and entitlement that grows that drives and allows for hidden sin patterns as a means to blow off steam so many leaders who have been caught in specifically in sexual sin have been later known to admit saying things like, well, I just felt like I worked so hard that I needed a way to unwind and I felt like, like it was my due. You know, it was like the only place where I could get some reprieve. And so hidden sin patterns grow, be it on the computer, be it in real life, be it in emotional affairs and on and on. And it grows out of this sense of entitlement, which again, deviates from anointing. You're so caught up in strategy and it's so much pressure and you might see results of growth initially, but your soul is rotting. There's no anointing. And so you hide these sin patterns that give you temporary makeshift freedom, but to, to sort of hide this burnout of your spirit and your soul and so, I mean, even recently, a few months ago, there was a leader that fell and he says, man, I was so burnt out. And you hear that over and over again. I was so tired. I, I just couldn't do it anymore. And, and so, of course, they find this makeshift freedom that, of course, eventually crumbles their whole life on their head. And it's so sad. And so there's also a sense of isolation and leadership that dissociates hidden sin patterns from real life. So I've, people ask the question, you know, how, how, how can you... How can a person who's so godly seemingly and, and preaching to thousands, all the you know, hundreds of thousands regularly, how can, how can they hide this? How can they get on stage and, and have this other life? And I think they dissociate. You know, they, we all do it, I think, by the way. I think all of us who, who might struggle with patterns of sin, sort of, you know, it's, it's like a Rolodex or a, it's like that dirty drawer in your house. You just keep it shut and you, you, know, you still have a nice house but if you open the, the drawer, it can become disgusting. And, and if there's stuff that's rotted in there, it, you know, you'd rather not open the drawer. So you, you dissociate that hidden sin pattern, which again, you go back to this idea of strategy and anointing, this intensity on strategy and cultural driven, you know, sort of treadmill living, hurry up, get the numbers, you know, you're growing, you know, a healthy church is a growing church, which by the way, is, is a statement that can be analyzed at a different time. Anyway, that uh, way of living is so far from a spirit-filled, quiet, anointed life that refuses to keep that drawer shut and opens it up and asks the spirit to clean me, anoint me, consecrate me. And that takes regular, regular work and accountability, which brings me to the last point. Why do so many Christian leaders get embroiled in scandal? They become more confident in their untouchability than in their accountability. They become more confident in their untouchability than in their accountability. Uh, leaders who grow and become uh, very um, well-known and strong and big and wealthy uh, start to think that they are God. And uh, whether we, the people, uh, make feed that or they, the leaders, uh, have this uh, sense of pride that has um, 
that just has led to that. It's hard to say. There's an inflated sense of pride, sense of self that thinks that, man, you can't touch me. I'm just too rich. I'm just too big. Uh, and, so, and so that style of leadership uh, does not leave room for accountability. Accountability is uh, allowing yourself to humbly uh, uh, put your life at uh, the mercy and grace of others, to open your life. It requires accountability. It requires humility. It requires humility to say, I cannot do this alone. I need help. Accountability requires honesty. You, you're only as accountable as you're honest. You can show up and tell people eight out of 10 things that are going on in your life and leave and be like, I was accountable, but, but, but true, authentic vulnerability is willing to talk about those two out of 10 things that you left unsaid. And we all do this in small group settings. We show up, we, we are as accountable as we want to be. And sadly, many of us don't find healing in our lives because we just refuse to open up our hearts to people. And sometimes out of fear, maybe we've been burnt before, uh, sometimes out of um, a sense of isolation and, and maybe leaders feel like they can't open up because how would that, again, you go back to protecting the reputation of the ministry, but there has to be, every leader has to find one or two people in their life that they can be fully and completely accountable to. That requires humility, honesty, and sacrifice. You might need to sacrifice some of your comfort. Uh, personal rights, you know, hey, I can do what I want when I want, that in that way of living that's very American, by the way, very post-Christian, uh, is, um, is, is nice and comfortable and might give you a sense of freedom, but, but it, it is not healthy in the long run. And if you want to live a lifestyle as a leader or as a Christian that is uh, holy and anointed and uh, pure and lasting over time, uh, then accountability will, might require you to sacrifice some of that I'm my own man or I'm my own woman and nobody can tell me what to do. And so are you willing to sacrifice your own personal comfort for the sake of holiness? That's ultimately the question. And so why do so many Christian leaders get embroiled in scandal? Uh, they're more image-driven than they are character-focused, more dependent on strategy than on anointing, and more confident in their untouchability than in their accountability. How about you? In your Christian life, do any of these things uh, connect with you? Maybe you need to sit before the Lord and ask for fresh anointing. I pray you do. And if you need help with um, any kind of resources to help you get back on track in God's word, we've got plenty of free ones as we wrap this up today. Uh, go to livingwithpower.org or download the app uh, on the Android or the iPhone, the Living With Power app. Our app, man, we just fixed it up. It's awesome. You can find all kinds of free resources. We've got short Bible studies, long Bible studies, and we've got a great Thursday night community. You can actually find the link in the app. Uh, if you scroll down a little when you when you get on the app or go to our website, livingwithpower.org, you'll see a blue box at the top of the page that says join our community. I'd love to see you live on Thursday nights at uh, at, uh, at the Bible study I teach. And then if you've got questions for me down the road, please send them to dearlena at livingwithpower.org. As usual, have a blessed day. God loves you. Don't forget that. Hey, if you've been embroiled in a scandal, it's not over. It's not too late. God still loves you just as much today as he did the first time you heard about his good news and his dying for you. So I hope you get back in a place of strength and hope and joy, and I'll see you again next week.